Hey everyone, we're west of Altona. We are at uh, Elemental Stone. Todd Braun is a, is a rock sculptor and artist, and uh, I've been here a few times, and it's just a great place. And when we were talking about Psalm 18, of, of doing a devotional on Psalm 18, it's all about David and his imagery and, and use of rock, how God is his rock. So I thought, where, what better place to come to than this? Um, so here we are. Mosquitoes are ripe and they are heavy. So we'll be swatting and you will be live with us and it will be good. So the theme for today, Psalm 18. David calls God his rock and that rock takes many different shapes and forms and uses in his life and in the imagery that he uses, um, much like these rocks. There's so many, and if you look at the role before this, you'll see all these different sculptures and different shapes and different uses for rocks and it's really quite amazing. Um, these words in Psalm 18 that we're going to go through are also found in 2 Samuel 22. And we find them there in 2 Samuel 22 uh, because God, uh, or David uses these words. Uh, he's at the end of his life in 2 Samuel 22. And he is using these words to really talk about his past life and his experience with God. So um, Psalm 18 is one of the longer Psalms. So... We won't go through all of it, but the beautiful part of it, uh, Psalm 18 is it comes with an intro. So here we go. For the choir director, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord. He sang this song to the Lord on the day the Lord rescued him from all his enemies and from Saul. He sang. So it tells us kind of exactly where and what time and what uh, David was going through. So here we go. So, a couple things. David's very honest about the depth of his feelings and emotions, and you'll see that throughout the Psalms. And the Psalms can really be a huge benefit and blessing to us uh, and use to us. And he's feeling things deeply, and he's telling God what he's feeling. And that's what the Psalms do. They give us a healthy way to deal with our emotions and our moods. And there's kind of three ways we can deal with our emotions or our, mood, or our moods. One of the most popular, and probably my favorite, is... Uh, to stuff them, to repress them, to not talk about them, to not uh, really get into it. Just deal with things internally. You know, what are we truly feeling? What are we experiencing? Well, we'll keep it to ourselves, and we'll try and figure it out or we won't. We'll keep it to ourselves. Um, in church or other social settings, when someone says, how are you or how's it going? What's the classic answer? It's good. I'm good. Um, but are you? What if we answered that question with, I don't know, I'm lonely, like, I don't know what I have for friends, I need community. Uh, what if we're saying, I, I'm worried about my job. What if we sh someone said, how are you doing? He's like, I'm just crushed financially. Like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. What if we answered that way? I think people's response would be, uh, well, who's got time for that response? So how can we not further the illusion that everything's okay with us and really further that cycle of non-disclosure. Another way which seems to be very popular today is to share everything we're feeling. All our emotions, all our moods. You see it on social media all the time. I'm feeling this, so I'm gonna just spout this. I'm gonna declare this, I'm gonna yell this. I have my opinion and everyone needs to know it. So our emotions dictate how we respond to the world around us and to the people around us. And what we have throughout the Psalms is a third way. Um, the Psalms are full of songs and poems of people who are going through uh, really hard times and they're still experiencing God and they're crying out to God. They're being very, very real with their emotions. 
And then they ultimately entrust themselves to God. And that's what David does here. He trusts in God. And he does it because he sees God as real and close and caring. So a third way that David shows us or what we can learn from the Psalms is really praying through our, our feelings, praying through our emotions, crying out to God and trusting in God. So verse one, and it starts like this. I love you, Lord. So we're just going to stop right there. I love you, Lord. Uh, and saying I love you, David uses a somewhat unusual word for love. He uses the word like rakam or rakam. Uh, he says, it's, it's, it's this intense word. It's the word for love. It's like womb-like or at the heart root, I love you. And it's the only place you'll find this word in the Bible, this intense word. And David clearly had a deep and vibrant relationship with God. So that's the first line. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. And then verses two and three. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. I called him the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. So verses two and three, as you read those verses, as you listen, what word rises up for you? From, as you read it, nine times this word is used. The word is my. It's used nine times, David says, you are mine. Uh, you're my rock, my redeemer, my savior. My, you're all those things. That reminds me, that word my, it reminds me of the movie Finding Nemo, where you have Nemo's father, Marlon, and, and Dory looking for Nemo, trying to find Nemo. And they are in peril, they're in trouble, and they're on the dock, fish on a dock, that's not a good sign. And then you have these seagulls, and they start to say, they see, Marlon and Dory and they go and one starts with mine, mine, mine. And next thing you know, there's hundreds of seagulls going mine, 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 all claiming, all declaring those two fish are mine. And then you have this struggle and they get out. Don't worry, they're okay. But it's kind of like calling shotgun, you know, just crying out, that's mine. That seed is mine. And here David is crying out, my God, you are my rock. You are my fortress my savior, my God, my rock, in whom I find protection, my shield, the power that saves me, my place of safety, my stronghold. What a beautiful list of descriptions uh, about who God is to David. And I, what would your list of descriptors be for God? And what would you write down? If someone said, write down these descriptors for God, would they be so strong? You have this strong imagery of rock, this immovable force, and this protective force that David is feeling. So describe the state that David was in. You'll find in verses four to six, the ropes of death entangled me. Floods of destruction swept over me. The grave wrapped its ropes around me. Death laid a trap in my path, but in my distress, I cried out to the Lord, yes, I prayed to my God for help and he heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. Recently, as I've been talking with people, you can talk about church, you talk about when the church is opening, you talk about how we can get together, you can talk about school, you can talk about work, restaurants. Uh, it just seems that a lot of us are kind of done, are kind of tired. Um, 
exhausted by the state uh, that we are living in and the uncertainty of our world. Here in these verses, like when you think of rocks, you think of the stone arch behind me, it's like this immovable force. Rocks are not uncertain. They are the opposite. There is a certainty to them. And that's what David is rejoicing in, in his God, his rock, his rescue. Like this immovable force who God is. So what does it look like if we look to God as our strength? What if we were close enough to God? Again, Jesus is our model of who God is. And Jesus calls us friend. Some, we can approach Jesus. We can approach God because of what Jesus has done for all of us. And David understands how loved he is and he understands how certain and solid and truthful God is. God will be there for him no matter what. And then we're gonna to skip to verse 19. And in verse 19, it says, he led me to a place of safety. And that place of safety is like, he led me to a wide open field, a wide open meadow. So remember David was being like hemmed in from all sides, from his enemies, from just running from Saul. And here God is leading him to a wide open space. And David equates that with freedom. David equates that with rescue and safety. Freedom to live, freedom to roam, freedom to be. Ever feel that there aren't any more options for you? No way out? What if we look to God as our rock, our shelter, our source, our strength? That would mean we aren't looking to finances to be our savior. We're not looking for relationships to be our, our, our rock. We aren't looking for power or position to be our shield. We're looking to God for all things in all things. We don't look to our popularity to be our fortress. What if we looked to God and just declared mine, mine back to God? Like that's the beautiful thing in the Psalms. You have God loving David and, and others. And you also have David loving God. This, this beautiful back and forth relationship of uh, God loving David and David loving God. And then the second half of 19, he rescued me. So again, he led me to a place of safety. He rescued me. He put me there. He rescued me because he delights in me. David believes that God delights in him. Has everything David done delighted God? It almost seems like a dangerous verse to me. A dangerous thought. Has everything David done delighted God? He's had people killed to cover up his sins. He has not been father of the year for most of it. He has done things probably that most of us would never even think of doing. And yet he's always declared or he said like he is a man after God's own heart. And here David is saying, even at the end of his life, not just in this Psalm when he's rescued and anointed as king now or set up as king, he's actually saying this at the end of his life when he's done some things that are just horrific. And yet he has this understanding that God delights in him. And that is life giving. What a great thought. You know, and I thought of my kids. Loving my kids is one thing, but when I like them, it's another level. And I feel the same way too. I know my kids love me, but every once in a while I think they like me. And you're like, 
How great is that to be liked, not just loved, but liked. God delights in David. And can we say that God delights in you? God delights in us. Again, that almost seems like a dangerous thing. Well, if he delights in me, then it's all good. And that the idea kind of of cheap grace, but it's not that. It's like God delights in you. It's not like everything we do delights God. But God puts us in the wide open spaces. Like what does Jesus do? He frees us up through his death on the cross and brings us to this ultimate wide open space of freedom. Freedom to love, freedom to live, not to die for our sins because he has taken our place. And then he calls us friend. God not only loves you, God likes you, God delights in you. You know, I just want to close with, when we understand that God who delights in us, it's easy to see God as our sanctuary. When we know that we are loved and we are liked and we are forgiven, it just makes sense that we would run to God for safety and rescue and strength and comfort because God is our rock. He takes on so many forms and so many functions, but God, there is just a certainty to the rock. There is a certainty to God that we will not find anywhere else. So may you know God is your rock, your refuge, your strength. May you declare mine when it comes to Jesus, because Jesus has declared mine when it comes to you. And may you know that God not only loves you, but God delights in you. Go with God, you are loved. Have a great week.